Good afternoon, Cornerstone. This is Lillian. I'll be doing the scripture reading today. Today's scripture reading will be taken from Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 37. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 37. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look, there, or look, here. Do not go out or follow them. For as a lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down or take them away. And likewise, let the man who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, Where, Lord? He said to them, Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Cornerstone family. It's good to be with you again and to speak God's word and to look and dig into it. And we continue our series in the Gospel of Luke. And these messages that we've been uh, going through, one for each chapter. If you've missed one of or more of the messages, you can go to our website uh, click on Resources, Sermon Audio, and then you can find the messages that you may have missed and listen to them there. And you see, when we get to know the Word of God and especially Jesus and His teachings, then we get to know Jesus better. And so that's our goal in going through this Gospel of Luke is that we would come to know Jesus more personally as we get to know and be familiar with His messages that He gave to his disciples and his teachings. So this is our goal. Let's uh, join together and dig in again. <clears throat> so our text today is from Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 37, which you heard read earlier, and focuses on the kingdom of God. <clears throat> and as we look through this teaching of Jesus, we will learn this already and not yet aspect or flavor, we could say, of the kingdom of God. This is such an important truth for us to understand as followers of Christ Jesus. Because Jesus taught on this in different ways throughout his ministry on earth. And so the text starts with the Pharisees asking Jesus 
when would the kingdom of God come? And this doesn't seem like uh, it's one of those times where the Pharisees are trying to ask Jesus a controversial question or what we might think of a trick question. It doesn't seem like that here. Now, the Jews in general uh, anticipated the day when God's kingdom would come and free them from the oppression that they faced for so many years. And this hope was deeply rooted in their understanding of the teaching of the scriptures and the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. You see, the Messiah, in their view, would be sent by God to free them from oppression and establish this everlasting kingdom on earth in which Israel would be at the center. Oh, how they looked forward to that day when they would be free from this oppression, and at that point in time, oppression from the Roman Empire. So the question was probably very sincere for them, just interested to know, what does Jesus think about this? But I would say it's hard for us today in the United States to imagine the intensity of the Jews' anticipation and desire for the freedom of their oppression. Um, This is more intense than maybe our anticipation of an upcoming vacation from our work or our school studies. Uh, It's probably more like the hope and anticipation we have for ending, let's say, the violence uh, that is being done against Asians uh, all over this country at this moment. Anticipating the cessation of that could be similar in a little way, to what the Jews felt in their hearts. Um, Every time we hear of another attack on Asians, it deepens our anticipation and desire for this kind of action to stop. We just wish that it would stop. And this is similar to what the Jews uh, felt at that time, the time of Christ. You know, it was encouraging for me uh, when I attended this rally against Asian hate in Highland Park back in March. And I went along with uh, our friend, uh, Sin Liu, many of you know him. And our, even our upcoming virtual conference speaker, uh, Yukon, Pastor Yukon Chu, was one of the organizers. There was about three to 400 people in a, that participated and it was so encouraging to know that we're not in this alone, we're, we're in this together, and uh, people of all shapes and sizes and ethnicities were there. And then just think of the black community in the United States and their history in this country. Um, whenever we hear of another unarmed black person uh, being mistreated or killed by a police officer, it It must deepen, think about how it must deepen the anticipation and desire of the black community to be freed from this ongoing abuse of power and a system that seems to, in ways, target their community. The recent guilty verdict of the police officer Derek Chauvin provides maybe a momentary relief for the black community but the system and the things are still ongoing. Now, thinking about these things may give us 
uh, a glimpse into the hearts of the Jewish people at that time of Jesus and their hope and desire and anticipation for the freedom from the oppression they faced of the Roman Empire. And so this is what's behind this question that is asked to Jesus. So Jesus answered them saying, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So the kingdom of God is already here. Jesus' reply made it clear that the kingdom is unlike any of the kingdoms that the Pharisees were familiar with. Jesus said that the kingdom of God had already come and has arrived and is in their midst. It had already arrived, but not in the way that the Pharisees had imagined. It was present in the person and ministry of Jesus himself. The Messiah, he is the one who is ushered in the kingdom of God to begin to be established on earth. And his coming was not the fulfillment of the kingdom coming, but rather like the beginning foundation that he was laying for the future kingdom of God to be fully established. So it was, it was an initiation. It was the breaking in of the kingdom of God, and it was in their midst. And here we see the already aspect of the kingdom of God. It's already here. The presence of the king, meaning Jesus himself, and his kingdom and his rule are already present because Jesus is here. Jesus taught earlier in Luke eleven twenty one, saying, But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. See, the presence and ministry of Jesus means the kingdom of God is already here. It's the presence of Christ that initiates the kingdom of God to be present. And remember the promise Jesus gave to his followers before he ascended to heaven? He said, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is always with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us, brothers and sisters. And we know that people who, by faith, who follow Jesus, have the Spirit dwelling within them. And so that means our King, the Spirit of the King, of this universe dwells within us. He is always with us. He will never leave us and forsake us. So the kingdom of God is in our midst. It is already here. And the Holy Spirit of God is the third person of the Trinity, the triune nature of God being God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of God is already here on earth and continues to spread in the hearts of those who believe in and follow Jesus. So therefore, the expression of our worship now as followers of Christ is to spread his kingdom by making disciples, followers of Jesus. And Jesus commanded this, if you remember, saying in what we call the Great Commission, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There's that promise. Jesus commands his disciples, his followers, to make disciples of all nations. And then he promises that he's going to be with us. 
to the very end of the age, to the end of this, what we would call the old age. The person and ministry of Jesus is always with us who follow him. So the kingdom of God is already here. And then Jesus moves on and transitions to teach uh, now not the Pharisees, but his disciples, uh, his followers. In the rest of the verses of today's text, uh, Jesus taught the not yet aspect of the kingdom of God. And while the kingdom of God is already here, the kingdom of God is not yet fully established. So if it were, if, I mean, think about it, if it was fully established on earth, then there wouldn't be any violence and injustice and sinfulness. But there is. So while the kingdom of God is here, it's not yet fully established. Verse 22 says, And he said to the, to the disciples, The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look there, or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. Jesus revealed to his followers who are with him physically at that time in history um, that though they desired to see the, this day when he would establish the kingdom on earth, um, they would not. They would not see it. The time for him to do this uh, was not going to be in their lifetime. So he was being very clear there. You're not going to see this. And Jesus taught there were going to be people who would claim that he would come back uh, to do this secretly, like his return would be secret. Um, and, but this is not how it's going to happen. This is what he made clear here in, his, in these verses. We are not to follow anyone who claims Jesus returned secretly um, to establish God's kingdom. No. And, and just by the side, uh, side comment, this is exactly what the Jehovah's Witnesses claim, that Jesus returned uh, invisibly in 1914. <laughs> so do not follow the Jehovah's Witnesses. But Jesus taught here that when the Son of Man comes and returns, uh, meaning Jesus, the Son of Man, uh, returns, he will be known. It, it's going to be obvious to all people. You know, the return of Jesus will be unmistakable and spectacular. Just as he said, the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. Un unmistakable, spectacular. When Jesus returns physically to earth, all the earth will see it and know it. It's going to be unmistakable and spectacular. And Jesus used another image to bring this out again in the last verse of our text, in verse 37, which you might have thought was a little confusing. Uh, I did as well until you look into the, the background of it. It says, he said, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Meaning, just as people from far away can see vultures circling a corpse in, in the air, uh, Christ's return will be visible to all. We'll be able to see it. It'll be unmistakable and spectacular. So before any of this would come to be uh, what Jesus is talking to his followers, he taught in verse 25, but first 
he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. See, at that time, he was referring to his coming crucifixion. And uh, at the hands, at that point, of the Jews and the Romans. So he was letting them know that the things he was talking about, the not yet, yet aspect of the kingdom, was not even going to start to think about happening until he was rejected and handed over um, by this generation. And then Jesus goes on to teach, or taught, he taught in the rest of our text in Luke 17. His return will be sudden and with people unprepared. And Jesus used two examples. He used the example of the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And listen to what Jesus said. He said, just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. Then later, likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So how was it in the days of Noah and Lot? Right? Well, Lot, just as a reminder, was Abraham's nephew who had chosen to live near and later moved into the city of Sodom. And Jesus described the people of these times in the days of Noah and Lot as eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage and selling and buying and planting and building. You know, they were just simply focused on living their lives. Um, when suddenly the flood in Noah's days came and destroyed them all. And in Lot's days, uh, they were doing these things, and in those who lived in Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down on them from heaven and destroyed them all. You know, these people had Noah, who was building this huge ark, and he was living in their midst. They knew of him. They knew that he was building this boat. Um, but they ignored him. And the people of Sodom had Lot living in their midst. And they ignored him. See, God's judgment was sudden, but it was a long time in coming. Jesus illustrated, illustrated unpreparedness uh, in verses 31 and 32, saying, On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house do not, not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Again, Lot gets mentioned again. See, Lot's wife was brought out of the doomed city of Sodom and then was on her way to safety. Uh, she was being rescued from God's judgment. But she lingered behind and looked back uh, in longing for the delights uh, that she was leaving behind in Sodom. And so she was caught up in the destruction of the city of Sodom as well. And she perished with the city. And at the time Jesus returns, only those who uh, those will be taken, as we later see, who have the wholehearted devotion to Jesus, those people will be taken. And this wholehearted devotion will not be complicated by their desires for the material possessions and comforts of this world. The things of this world often pull us from following the truth 
of Christ Jesus because he is the truth. It pulls us away from Jesus as Lord of our lives. Um, There's a story that illustrates this. In 1930, uh, in a small town in Oklahoma, one high school uh, seemed to lose all the football games they played against their arch rival uh, of another neighboring high school. And the more important the game, the worse they lost, it seemed. And so finally, uh, uh, this wealthy businessman decided to take matters into his own hands. And so he asked to speak to the team after another devastating defeat. They didn't only lose to this rival high school, they lost to many things, (laughs) many of the other teams in their, their area. So what followed was one of the most fantastic speeches, football speeches of all times. You see the businessman um, proceeded to offer a brand new Ford car to all every player of the football team and the coaches, each of the coaches, if they would simply defeat their bitter rival of their neighboring high school in the next game they played them. So the team went crazy with sheer delight, thinking, we are each going to get a car? And so they howled and cheered and slapped each other on the butt. And for seven days before the, the day when they were supposed to play this rival team, uh, the boys ate and drank and breathed football. And at night they dreamed about the touchdowns. The entire school caught the spirit of this excitement. It was like a holiday spirit uh, in the school. And each player visualized himself behind the wheel of a beautiful car driving. And finally the big night arrived and the team assembled in the locker room and the excitement was at a high and the coach gave a few, you know, a pep talk to the team and they, they said, Hurrah! and they ran out onto the field and they got crushed by the team 38-0. to zero. The team's enthusiasm did not translate to a single point on the scoreboard. And all the days of excitement simply could not compensate for the player's lack of discipline and conditioning and practice and study and coaching and drill and experience and character. Their unpreparedness did not change in their excitement to get a car. And again, they lost. And likewise, if we are more excited about the things of this world and what this world has to offer us, then we are about Jesus the King and His kingdom on earth, then we will be unprepared as well when He returns. And in verse 33, Jesus taught that the unprepared are those who seek to preserve their lives, but end up losing it. But those who lose their lives for Jesus, which means they give up everything they have to Him, it's all His, Those are the people who will preserve their lives. And on another occasion, Jesus illustrated the point of being unprepared with a story um, of his coming again, uh, his, you know, uh, second coming, with a story about ten virgins who were waiting to join a wedding party. You may sound familiar to you. It's in Matthew chapter 25. I'm just going to paraphrase it. It was all ten of the virgins uh, had lamps that they brought, and, but only five of them had oil that they had brought along with their lamps. And so they all were waiting for the arrival of the bridegroom. 
to go and join him in the wedding feast. But he was late. He was, it took a long time, so they fell asleep. And then all of a sudden they were awakened by someone who cried out to them, Oh, here's the bridegroom. Come to meet him. Well, the five who didn't have oil as they were getting their lamps ready asked of those who had oil if they could share their oil with them. But the five who had oil said, No, we only brought enough for ourselves. We can't share with you. So the five who didn't have oil went to go to the place to buy oil for their lamps. They were unprepared. And while they were away, the bridegroom came. The five virgins that were prepared went in with him into the wedding feast, and the door was shut. And so when the five other virgins came, now with oil, they, and they were not let in. They could not join the wedding feast. And Jesus ended the story saying this, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. In other words, be prepared for whenever Jesus returns. And then Luke 17 ends with Jesus describing that at the time of his return, some will be taken and some will not be taken. Verse 34 and 35 say, I tell you in that night there will be two in one bed, one will be taken and the other left. It's like husband and wife. And there will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. Now this is referring to what is called the rapture in, of believers when Jesus returns the second time. And the Apostle Paul described this rapture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, saying, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. And Jesus also described the rapture uh, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 31, saying, And he will send out his angels and a loud, uh, with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So when Jesus comes again, his followers will be taken up to be with him for eternity in the new age to come, in the new heaven and new earth. So let's review what we've learned from this text in Luke 17, from the teaching of Christ. And I want you to look at this diagram that now you see on the screen um, during this time of review. So the first is that the kingdom of God is already here. And this is, was initiated with the coming of Christ, his first coming, where he lived on earth and he taught and he did miracles and the kingdom, the presence and power of the kingdom uh, broke into this reality in the person and ministry of Jesus. And so the kingdom of God is already here and it continues to be here in the similar way in the presence of Jesus and his ministry through the Holy Spirit. And then uh, there's this time period now before uh, the second coming of Christ when he returns. So the kingdom of God is not yet fully established during this period of time. And and then we've learned from Jesus in our text that the return of Jesus will be unmistakable and spectacular when he does return. And the return of Jesus will be sudden with people unprepared. 
Some will be taken, some will not. So what does all this mean for us who follow Jesus as Lord right now, right at this time? Well, just as the kingdom of God has this flavor of already not and not yet, uh, so this applies to us as followers of Christ as well in some ways. For example, in Christ Jesus, we have already been saved from the penalty of our sin. In Christ, we are forgiven once and for all, for all our sin. But we are not yet, but we're not yet fully saved from the presence and power of sin. And we see this consequence in our ongoing struggle with sinfulness. And that will not be uh, taken away. We won't be fully, absolutely saved in this sense until Jesus returns. And then the power and presence of sin will be removed from us. In Christ, we have been made new. We have been, been transformed in mind and heart um, in Christ Jesus. He, it's like a reboot. He gives us a, a new vision, a new um, worldview uh, by the teachings in, of Christ and the Holy Spirit indwelling us. But we are not yet fully transformed into the image of Christ. This is an ongoing process and is not complete until Jesus returns. And in Christ, we have been given eternal life, the abundant life that would, starts here and now. And yet, we have not, but not yet, received uh, our resurrected eternal bodies uh, that will live forever. And we won't have that happen until Jesus returns. So again, what does this all mean for us? Well, we who follow Jesus as Lord are children of God. Children, I mean citizens of the kingdom of God. And we are to live as citizens of this kingdom and children of God by worshiping him and making more disciples of Jesus, more followers of Jesus. This is what he has commanded us to do and this is how we express our worship of him as Lord and God. We get to persevere then through the hardships and difficulties that life that come our way in life, um, knowing and anticipating of the life that will be ours in the new age to come, which is going to be far better than the life we experience now. So we, every day, we get to live with this anticipation and preparing ourselves for what is yet to come, because the best is yet to come. So, Therefore, stay the course, brothers and sisters in Christ, because Jesus is coming back to make everything right. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the hope that we have in Christ. And we pray for those in our lives that do not have this hope. They, are uncon they remain unconvinced of who you are, Lord Jesus, and are ignorant of your message and, and your love for them. And Lord, we pray that we would be uh, able to point them to you effectively in your truth, that you are the way and the truth and the life, the abundant life that they can experience beginning here and right now if they would only humble themselves and trust in you as Lord, admit their need for salvation. And so Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name that we here at Cornerstone would be your tool to spread your kingdom on earth. 
And Lord, we so look forward to the day of your return when you will establish your kingdom fully on earth and there will be no more violence and war and injustice and racism. Lord, we pray that you would come, Lord Jesus, and come quickly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, great to be with you. We'll see you next week.